1: the podcast. I'm your host Erica Lance. My co-host today is the amazing C.R. Rice and our guest is Linda Rosen. First (laughs) I'd like to say don't forget to like and subscribe because we want you to. You can also leave us a review and if you want to suggest an author or ask a question or just send me you know fan not hate mail um, you can do so at drinkingwithauthors (laughs) at gmail.com And our sponsor today is Skunk Brother Spirits. I'm actually partaking in one of theirs. Um, So, and you can get their uh, coupon, DWA10, gives you 10% off of everything at skunkbrotherspirits.com, veteran and brother owned. And with that, I I made a postie for myself to remember all of this. Um, Let's talk about what we're drinking. So in some drinking without their swag, which Linda, you get for being on the podcast. Oh, nice. I have mixed... The lightning with natural. I know. I keep going for the lightning. It's okay. I'm like halfway through that bottle. I'll get there eventually. It is powerful shit. This is like our second one today. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. So it's fine. I went. I went from cider to this. And um, so this is lightning and natural organic fruit punch. So it's healthy, but it's not yeah. healthy. Do not take yeah, medical just... advice from any of us on this podcast. It's a terrible what is point.
2: lightning made? I mean, what is lightning?
1: <laughs> Literally, lightning, <laughs> like just that straight Literally down your spine. In a no, so Stump <laughs> Brother Spirit does a corn—it's moonshine. It's a honey-based moonshine that they do, and it's called lightning. And okay. when I first started drinking it, because it actually and. Oh, the the way when I say this, it makes me sound like an alcoholic. But I do a fair amount of drinking. I have a podcast about this, so I drink. Um, normally I'm a whiskey girl or a wine person. We're whiskey wine people, but they sent me this lightning and it's a clear liquor, right? Because moonshine. Like a vodka. I had some of it and literally I felt like lightning went down my entire spine. Oh, like I was
2: like
1: it was the funniest (laughs) thing. uh, how do i drink this because i cannot in good conscience recommend drinking it straight to people but it (laughs) actually is really tasty it just was quite potent and so he's like oh you mix it with lemonade and stuff so i've been mixing it with random drinks so i have organic uh simply fruit punch and i I Put it in there and it's 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 rather it still has that same effect, it doesn't matter what I mix it with. Well, don't drink
2: like, too much of it, we do need to talk to you. That's all yeah,
1: no, it's fine, I'll be mostly
2: fine.
0: Oh, it'll I'm get here. better,
1: it's okay,
0: okay, all right, it'll only get better did. from
1: here. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yep. okay, CR, what are you drinking?
0: I am drinking so this one got a little weird because I ran out of, of grape juice, okay? So I said grape juice and vodka because we're healthy people. Um, so then I threw in some green tea because I grape juice and vodka are good Green tea and vodka are good nothing can possibly go wrong it did it went very wrong went why do very, you do that wrong.
1: i feel like you find great combinations and then you you go you know what would be really good if i totally fucked this up and did something different because part.
0: like it's like you know when you like two things and you're like you know it'd be awesome if these two great things
1: liked each other and they made an amazing they're not even thing. friends they're not even friends they're
0: not they're not it's weird because at first it's good, right? Like it, the first little bit, because I just added that little bit. And then I was like, oh, I got the podcast. Let me just top this baby off. I shouldn't have. I messed up. I should have done just the vodka, a little shot of green tea,
2: good to go. Kind of like a little spritzer, you know? But I didn't. I'm a tea drinker and green tea by itself with vodka within it, not
1: good. So good. It, it is actually so you good. You call it our passion. <laughs> drink of our horseman sweetened green tea with vodka is actually really Really? good good. by itself so good we do heavily recommend as long as you're not driving or underage that you try this and at home but this sounds terrible and i do not want anybody to think of drinking along with cr and doing that to themselves
0: so just choose one or the other or just do a little spritz of them with with each other you know just like you know how like sometimes you just add a little orange juice to something or yeah that's what you should do so once this is done we'll just have
1: to top it off with yeah don't top it off like finish it and then do something else
2: linda what are you drinking that'll probably i'm drinking wine i'm drinking a mellow wine it's a sauvignon blanc from napa valley i love it it's very nice and crispy um it's really perfect on a super hot day but Right here in northern New Jersey, it's been raining all day. So, what can I, you know, but it's still very nice and refreshing.
1: I I,
0: say, I I can't get into wine, and I have so much wine at my house. I know. I'm going
1: to help you get into wine because I, we're going to
0: do, that's what I'm going to start doing. Every time I do a podcast, I'm going to have a new bottle of wine and we'll see what happens when Chelsea gets wine drunk.
1: No, I don't think that's a good plan. (laughs) You (laughs) could do it as a freezer. I really do. I'm just going to throw that. Okay, Linda, before <laughs> we continue to get sidetracked, <laughs> tell the audience what you write. Well,
2: CR, my last book was about wine.
1: <laughs> well, I write
2: I write novels that are set in the not too distant past. Um, they're always about a woman who finds her way, um, you know, changes throughout the novel. I call them my um, book club fiction because I really like to have a lot of stuff that you can discuss in a novel. Um, a central theme is that blood is not all that makes a family. And I always have a piece of jewelry.
1: So okay. my first book, The
2: Disharmony of Silence, I had a, an heirloom cameo brooch. And in my second book, Sisters of the Vine, which takes place in a vineyard, um, that had a three-carat marquee diamond.
1: Wow. Okay, so, but you have a unique story of when you started writing. So let's jump into that for a moment. Oh, yes.
2: Okay, well, I really started later in life, (laughs) okay? (laughs) Uh, I was nearing my 60th birthday. And I was looking for something new in the creative way, something new creatively to do. Um, I've been a fitness professional for years. I still am. I choreographed, you know, exercise routines. So that was being creative. I did a lot of the same stuff that everybody else did, you know, gardening and um, I did cooking, whatever, you know, needlepoint, cruel, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, And I was playing with photography. I do enjoy photography. So I was looking for a photography class in a local adult school catalog. And I came across a writer's workshop and thought, wow, I'm going to try that. I never in my life thought I would write a novel, but I always dreamt that like how cool that would be, how wonderful that would be. I'm an avid reader. And I've been in book clubs and I loved when we had the author come to talk about the book club. And that, like, that was a thing that I thought, oh, that must be so great, but honestly never thought I would be doing it. But I took that class. I got hooked. My fingers haven't stopped flying across the keyboard. Two books later and I'm revising my third and here I
1: am. (laughs) I think that's exciting. I really do. And I will say that I had the opportunity to meet you participating author talk network, which is a group of authors who have gotten together to help other authors, which is amazing and do education and stuff around being an author and all the fun stuff right. that goes along with that, that nobody has any idea. What is the what is something that really surprised you as you as you as book one entered the the realm of existence and it was put out there? What what surprised you that you were like, wow, I didn't expect this to happen? Well, first of all, I
2: wasn't sure I ever expected that to happen altogether. But <laughs> but as book coming up to book one coming out. I was embraced in the writer community. Um, we had a group called the 2020 Debuts, which was an offshoot from the Women's Fiction Writers Association. And I got involved in that. And from that, I I never expected to make new friends of like mine, to have a whole new world. and I honestly do. I have friends, some I've only met virtually, but I really call them my friends. Some I've met in person. Um, after meeting virtually, it's a whole it's a whole new life, and it's really fantastic. Like my friend Grace Salmon says, we're never done. So that's really what it is. At this stage of my life, I started something new, and I have a whole new life, which really it's it's just phenomenal.
1: So, and I think that is t- completely awesome. I, I just also love the author talk network and Grace. I love Grace; she's a huge fan of the show, as anybody who's yes. listened to her podcast knows. Um, but let's talk a little bit about your first book. So, your first book goes back in history, but wasn't there like a familiar? How did you get there? There was I remember, and of course, you know. My memories being okay. here with some lightning, <laughs> but there. okay. Tell us about your first book because okay. it really yeah.
2: came to me in a fun way. Um, and I don't know about you guys, but when I would read, I would always, and, and it still happens today. Where did the author come up with this idea? What made her or him want to write this story? So I was sitting on the beach on vacation in Hilton Head Island and I was was sitting with a girlfriend and my sister-in-law. And I always like to add who is a girlfriend too, because it wasn't just my sister-in-law and a friend. <laughs> okay. But my sister-in-law was telling us about clearing out her mother's house, getting it ready for sale. And there was a painting hanging in the living room that had hung there for years and years. But nobody wanted it. Nobody in the family wanted it. And, she didn't want to just toss it out or put it in an estate sale so she went ahead and googled the artist and found her living in San Francisco and contacted her and offered to bring her the painting. Oh wow. And I was sitting on the beach and my friend and I looked at each other went, "What an idea for a story." So that that was the nugget for the Disharmony of Silence. But, of course, I had to create the characters and, you know, I had to make something about that painting uh, spark the interest in my protagonist, Carolyn. So that's where the cameo came in. I own a cameo. I'm not wearing it right now. I should have. Um, I have an heirloom cameo and I put that in my mind and in the book on the ladies dress in the painting because that's what carolyn notices when she's cleaning out her mother's home getting it ready for sale and she wants to know why that cameo looks exactly like the one in her mother's jewelry box so she and her girlfriend go googling cameos and they can't find one that looks exactly the same there's lots of cameos but hers is unique And how come this unique cameo is on that painting and in her mother's jewelry box? So she goes and searches for the artist. And
1: there we go. The book ensues from there. Yes. I love that. Now, and then, so what sparked book two then? So they're not a series, right? They're standalone. Oh, no. They're totally
2: standalone. Totally standalone. Right. Okay, well, I was fascinated with secrets and family secrets, so that kept me with book one. Is it because you have a family secret? No, I don't think so. <laughs> but you might. But, <laughs> but I know so many people, I'm, I'm going back to book one, then I'll tell you about book two. I know so many people who over the years I would find out had these secrets in their families that they found out the man they thought their father was was not their father, um, they found out they had a brother that they never knew about. You know, Those Major secrets in families. Yeah. So I wanted to explore that. So I gave Carolyn's family a secret. And when Carolyn, in The Disharmony of Silence, um, uncovers this secret that the cameo led her to, it's an 84-year-old secret. And she wants to divulge it. She wants to tell the person about it because it could bring Carolyn everything she wants or it could destroy other people's lives. So it all depends on how she handles the information. So that one was filled with secrets and it's in a dual timeline, which I love to read. And it was important for this book because I had to get the backstory in there about the cameo. But when it came to the second book, Sisters of the Vine, I actually, part of the time was writing them both at the same time. I had started with the disharmony of silence and then I put it aside because I heard this story when I got together, reacquainted with a high school friend of mine after 40 years. And she told me her story and how she became a woman winemaker and the first woman winery owner in her region. I was so taken with her story of how she was left with 13 acres of grapes full to bursting, ready for harvest. And she had no idea how to get it done and how she walked down her mile long road to gather, to ask neighbors who had no knowledge of winemaking at all to come and help her. And then how these women came and they formed a friendship and they formed this winery um so that was the nugget for my book because I love sistership stories I love stories about sisters I mean not real blood sisters but you know friends that make a sisterhood um and it's far from a romance it's a divorce novel but uh, I had a lot of fun making the bad husband because <laughs> mine is wonderful so I had making the bad husband. Um, So that's where that one came from. So I worked on Disharmony of Silence for a while. And then I found, got this idea. So I was working on that and researching all about winemaking and going to vineyards. And I really got into that. But then I went back to the other one. And finally, I focused on one, which was the Disharmony of Silence. And that once I sat down and really focused on it, it took three years. that to be finished and published and it came out in march 2020 one week before the world shut down from covid the next month my publisher asked me if i had another book and i said i do but it's not finished and he's asked me to send it to him anyway and i said but it's not finished and i sent it to him and he said we want to publish this have it to me by September. Now you have to understand, it took me like 10 years to really write. The first one. <laughs> oh yeah, no, we all know about
1: first. first and he wants it now in a couple eight, of months.
2: Yeah, yeah eight.
1: eight years for
2: my first I mean, one. So, But I said, okay. And I finished that book and I had it edited and I did it and it came out a year later.
1: That's exciting. So what is book three about, my friend?
2: Well- I wish I could give you a good pitch, but I'm still working on that,
1: <laughs> but, but I like,
2: okay, book two, Sisters of the Vine is set in the late 60s and early 70s, and I found that I really, really enjoyed writing about that period, because that's my time, I I mean, I was in college, I was newly married, you know, that kind of, stuff. not not together, not college and newly married together, the married came a couple years later, <laughs>
1: That's okay. It can happen either way. Well, it can happen anyway. But I
2: really was, I liked writing about that time. It's the not too distant past. um, Because I enjoy something in a little bit of a past, even if it's in a big past, but rather than writing about today. So I was thinking about what I wanted to write about. Um, I wanted it historical. And I started looking for... um, events that happened. I mean, I knew those events. I knew the Vietnam War. I knew so much about it. But I came across the women's strike for equality in August 1970, when women were fighting for equality in the workplace and to have free legal abortions. And that kind of got me going. And I knew I had to do something with a, a piece of jewelry and I decided on an emerald because my personal story with an emerald was fun, which I can tell you about.
1: Ooh, yes, but it, oh, I, love, I love colors. I'm gonna have another we're going down story. Going okay. going down story so, um
2: I was in high school when I went out to Los Angeles with my mother, and she had always told me about a boyfriend she had for a long time, and he had given her an emerald ring. And she gave it back to him when they broke up, whatever. But she was still, over all these years, she was still in touch with him. And we found him, and we met him and his wife, who happened to have the same name as my mother. And his wife was wearing a ring that my mother really recognized. Oh, no. And she just complimented her on the ring, but said nothing more. (laughs) <laughs> so I loved that story, but I wasn't going to write that one. But that spurred me on to have a secret with an emerald, and it had to do with that period of time. So, and and I've decided, okay, my characters. I have one character uh, who's a sculptor, and another who is a best-selling uh, cozy mystery writer. And there's a lot of envy going on between the two of them because the sculptor would love to have the fame and the acceptance in the world for her work that the writer has. But the writer has her own envy of the sculptor and it all deals with the Emerald and what was in her past. And it all weaves in the whole idea of women's equality. We go into abortions.
1: well, you couldn't pick a more poignant time to. I talk didn't about that know particular it was going to happen. <laughs> Nailed <laughs> it. Yeah. Yeah. Nailed it. Well done. Now that you're predicting the future, do you have an idea for book four? So we have some idea what's coming. Towards Sadly, <laughs> I don't. I really don't.
2: I, I'm still, I'm not on my revisions for book three, um, which it's a lot of envy, uh, a lot of secrets, you know, that kind of thing. And um a lot of their past they each one ha- they each have just a interesting past. And when it comes to Rosalie, the protagonist's granddaughter, um, the, how it all comes to four. But I'm not going to say much more about it because no, it's still in revisions. No, no. It's still in revisions. And I'll let you know when it's out. And every time I wonder, I think I have a piece of jewelry that I want to use, but I don't
1: know the story yet. So what is the piece of jewelry for book four?
2: I'm really thinking of, I have a strand of um, red amber beads that my great grandmother brought over when she came from Russia. So there's gotta be something in there that I'll come up with.
1: I I don't know how you don't use your mom's story with the showing up in the wife with the <laughs> right? right, like that would, even I, if it was, I, was a short you don't story. Don't that into book four. I'm serious, right? Uh, even
0: if it was a short story, just be like, you son of a bitch. Like,
2: <laughs> well, okay, maybe, you know, I, I, I have that story twisted around for, in book three. I do have that story twisted okay. around. Okay.
1: I think that's, you know, it's, it's so funny because when you were saying that and you said that whole thing to me, I remember my um, ex-husband, he asked me for the ring back. It was his mother's wedding ring. And he asked me for it back when we got divorced, which was fine. Because what the hell are you going to do with the thing? I know a lot of women, sell it. Like, you know, at, no, keep it, sell it, do this. Melt one. it down, But make something else. And I was like, okay, because it was his mom. So I was totally okay with it until he literally, and I did give it back because I'm just that person, said to me, yeah. Cause I need to sell it so I can get a bigger ring for my, my fiance.
0: Then you're like, holy shit. I forgot. I was robbed.
2: It's gone. Well, in <laughs> Sisters of the Vine, I have that kind of story. Her husband, her mother-in-law gives her, her three carat diamond. Um, and in the divorce, she is told that that's a gift and you keep it. And he really wants that ring back and it comes up again at the end of the story and what happens with that ring.
0: Isn't it just like a, a like a, when you break an engagement, whoever breaks it off, get like the opposite person gets the ring. Isn't that the rule? I, don't, I, I thought
2: don't, it was I don't that, that the, the woman rule. keeps the ring because it was a gift.
0: Yeah, but so, like, if a girl goes, and I know that just because I saw it on a couple little news things where, like, the the guy, like, sued the girl for the ring back, if the girl breaks off the engagement, you have to give the ring back. Wow. If the guy breaks it off, the girl gets to keep it, because, like you said, it's a gift. But does that apply to marriages? Like, if the guy goes to you and is like, look, I want a divorce, you get to keep it, or is there a timeline? You know what I mean? Like, what's the rule?
1: is individual on it what i did just so that everybody's really crystal clear is i took it to the ex-mother-in-law and went here you go chris asked for this back back
2: to her yeah Yeah,
1: because if she wants to give it to him to whatever i was just like this is rude as fuck but anyway (laughs) anyway on that topic oh my goodness we need to take a quick break as we're talking about ex-husbands and people who should oh and we'll be right back with drinking with authors comic cons are back and fans are ready hear all about it on the con guy show where we keep you up to date on all the events the movies the people and the conventions that drive your passions and feed your fandom straight from the nerdy heart of hollywood california we are proud members of the eso network your station for all things E. Our sponsor today on Drinking With Authors is Skunk Brothers Spirits. Skunk Brothers Spirits was started by a family of disabled veterans focused on locally sourced quality distilled spirits. Their name was inspired by their pops, who is nicknamed Skunk. Gunk's father was a moonshiner in Oregon back when it wasn't exactly legal. Now the brothers are taking the family business legal with their Washington based team using their grandfather's prohibition era moonshine recipe to bring small batch spirits to the gorge and beyond. From the moonshine corn whiskey to the apple pie brandy, all of their spirits are handmade in Washington. Believing they already have the best ingredients in the local community, they work with local farmers and suppliers to produce the highest quality spirits from scratch. You can find them on Facebook at Skunk Brothers and on Twitter at Skunk Rose Inc. Or visit their site www.skunkbrothersspirits.com and use coupon code DWA10 at checkout to read 10% off your order. You can always also ask your local retailer to start stocking Skunk Brother Spirits. Regardless of how you get your hands on a bottle or two, grab a drink and don't forget to get skunked. And we're back. So let's talk a little bit about your writing process, my friend, as, you know, book one, took 10 years, but now you, you obviously are going much faster. What is your writing process like?
2: I don't really have a writing process. Oh,
1: you're going to be Chelsea's <laughs> number one fan then. There we <laughs> go. Let's do Let's do this. This. Some <laughs>
2: people will say I get up at 5 a.m. and, you know, I write while the house is quiet or I do this or I have to write at night or I must write with X amount, a thousand words a day. I don't have that. And I always tell everybody, I need to get my stuff done in the morning. I need to, I'm a pickleball player. I'm a
1: swimmer. What is, wait, what is pickleball? What is, what is pickleball? <laughs> <laughs> you need to learn something that I, I'm sure it doesn't okay, involve pickleball pickle, is a pickleball, but I feel like it should. So
2: Pickleball is a huge sport. It Think of a small tennis court mm-hmm. and it's a paddle, like a bigger paddle than a ping pong paddle. And think of like a rubberized wiffle ball. Okay? <laughs> That's okay. explain it. So it's a game similar. It's a cross between tennis, ping pong, paddle ball. It's, it's a, a whole cross. It's played on a court with a net. It's a shorter court. It's a faster game than tennis. Yes, these people are decking the shit
0: out of each other.
2: Sorry, I Googled it.
0: I'm googled it and then I found this video and it was like pickleball gone wrong and I'm like well of course you oh, just but... have to like <laughs> glance over that and this guy it is it's a very, it's a much shorter court than a tennis court. A much shorter. It, court. I thought you were saying it's like tennis court with like a bigger ball or something. Oh no. 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 They're like shorter in each other's court. face.
2: <laughs> if you take a tennis court you can put a pickleball court on either side of the tennis net. It's a shorter net. It's a shorter court. It's a faster game. It's a fantastic game. YouTube it. You'll find it. It's a great oh, game. Oh, I did. Look so a pickle I
1: pickleball. How, how, Pick blows, I want to know how I've never heard of this, but second of all, how did you get into this? Um, I live in
2: Florida In the, well, as I like to say, when I have to, I'm in New Jersey where I grew, I grew up and just raised my family. But when I have to switch my flip-flops to shoes and socks, I head to my house in Florida. So so I'm a snowbird. And pickleball is really big in Florida. So-
1: Chels lives in Florida, I lived there for 30 years. I never heard of pickleball. Seriously? Seriously? No, I just looked it up. It
0: says Joel Pritchard, whoever that is, started to call their game pickleball because of a combination of a different sports, reminded her of the pickle boat and crew. So apparently she's bougie chick. Well, actually, in.
2: the story is that somebody—oh gosh, I don't even know when—the story is that somebody out in um, Washington State actually started the game, and it's named pickleball because his dog's name was Pickle.
1: Yeah, and, it, I, it says they named it after
0: Joel Pritchard's dog.
2: Okay, that's for that it.
0: dog, look yeah. at him.
2: <laughs> and it's a really big game, especially in communities. Um, you know, in Florida and all over. I mean, it's it's probably going to be in the Olympics soon. There are, it's huge. It's huge. Which now.
0: side of Florida is it
1: popular
0: Both.
2: on? Both. Oh, I just don't know. But get it's out even here. I play it up. Out the, I mean, we're not
1: willing to go outside in Florida. So I think that's part of what the problem is. Okay. It looks like a real
0: deal
2: of 112 today. Okay. I'm a
0: delicate Well, I'm not flower. there in the
2: summer. You see, I play it in the beautiful <laughs> December, January, February, March. There you go. It's perfect weather. Yeah. Yeah. Okay,
1: so you get up oh, and okay. play So I like ball. to get
2: my physical activities done pretty much in the morning or if I have certain errands to do. And then I find that I'm best if I sit down about 11 o'clock. But then there are days where I feel like I'm not going to go out this morning. I'm going to write in the morning and I'll go for a swim in the afternoon. So that's why I say I really can't say that I have a schedule. Uh, but in my head... I, I make writing dates for myself and I know which days I'm going to be doing solid writing and which days I may not look at it at all. And on other days, it might be, oh, a little tweaking or an hour and other days could be four hours. Wow.
1: And it works.
2: It just works for me.
1: Well, you know, that's part of what this podcast is about because there's no right way to do it. There's what's not working for you and finding a way that does work for you. Like Absolutely. there's not a right or wrong. The only wrong part is if you're not actually writing, then you're, you're not doing something that you need to be doing. Yeah,
2: yeah. To get I your- tried to set a schedule and I said I was going to sit down at 11 o'clock every day, you know, I'll do my exercise and then do it. And it didn't work. I needed to go to the supermarket or something. And if that's hanging on my head, there's no way I can sit down to write.
1: No, that, that makes sense. That's one of my biggest problems is if I have a lot of things that, that, and I can't write when stressed. I have friends that can write when stressed out. They do so fantastic. Like they, it's a, like a escapism for them to write, to get out of whatever they're going on. Not me. I just, even though I write horror, it's not a good situation when I'm writing. Yeah, I think
0: it depends on the stress because like if you're angry stress, you know what I mean? Like you're stressed out about a, a certain situation.
1: Like, yeah, I go through and I just
0: massacre people. Like, I have a whole section of little storylines where just people terribly die. But then, like, like, you know, like if it's because you have so much to
2: do, you you, you have that stress that I can't do it. Yeah. No, but. That- but if I have so much to do and everything's on my head, about I have a thousand things to do, I will uh, triage it. Like, you know, as if I'm an emergency room nurse, I will triage it and say, okay, I'm going to write this morning and then I'm going to get that done. If otherwise it's just hanging on my head. No, that makes sense.
0: It makes. And sometimes
2: when you have something or when I have something that I really need to work on, I'll put my, I'll put a note down for myself, like fix this in chapter 11, but it just gnaws at me. I got to go and do it then. (laughs)
1: <laughs> no i have a lot of voice memos i'm the queen of voice memos oh yeah so i think yeah. of dialogue yeah i you know it i'm just saying i i googled yeah. some stuff the other day for the book i'm working on that involved what ships do police officers work in certain city and things like that and i went oh my god this could end so badly for me
0: <laughs> You'll have to have a browser set up like my like Corey did for me because some of the stuff it'll flag him and like he'll just change whatever because it as an author, like you look up some really dicey things, some very inappropriately dicey, but it's not in like a hey, I'm gonna go crazy kind of way. It's legitimately like when they rage, you just have to hold up your book and be like, I swear to God, it's in here, page 12. Like.
1: Yeah, no, that's, it's so true, so true. I went
2: down a rabbit hole yesterday, so really deep. All I wanted, my editor looked at uh, my work and she said, you know, you're using champagne flutes and your book is now in 1970. And I don't think flutes were used in 1970. So I went and I looked and she was right. We, champagne flutes existed, but they didn't become the popular mode of drinking champagne till the 80s and i went down this rabbit hole and found out why they were they were called coops and why and why they looked in the shape of a woman's breast and the women who gave their breasts to be used to make these coops and i mean i went it was fascinating which as you know as a writer what well, you're going to write one word maybe in your book you're not going to put all that info in there but no. Wow. I like the
0: information, the sketchy stuff you look up that you end up not using because you're like, you know what? This isn't even gonna work. <laughs> oh, but it's so
2: good too.
0: <laughs> and now you're on a list somewhere and it doesn't even matter because it didn't even go oh, into that's the source. Right. Know? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So do wow. you start at
2: chapter one and write through your books? Yes, I do. I do. And I don't I don't plot. I have an idea in my mind. But honestly, with uh, the disharmony of silence, I didn't know how I was going to end that book until I was coming towards the end. Um, Oh, yeah. I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. And I never understood before I was writing. I never really believed when a writer would say, my characters told me. I thought, get out of here. Your characters aren't telling you anything. But they do. They do. They do.
1: You know, for a lot of authors, that is the case. It's really interesting because I think it's interesting you don't know the ending. See, I know the ending for every single book, story, anything I write. The middle is very hazy sometimes, but how it starts and where it ends, I've got that nailed down, like where I want it to go. Um, But for me, like I know people who have very character driven, like their characters tell them and they think they're going this direction and they'll be like, "Nope, we're going this direction. And, you know, again, it's a writing style. And do you listen to them? Some people I know tell me they don't listen to their characters that want to go one way. And they're like, Nope, you're going this direction. After a while, it
2: doesn't work. It's just, it's, you have to do what the character wants you to do. It just doesn't work the other way.
1: Well, do you, what do you do when you um, experience any kind of writing, like you're, you're not able to sit down and actually do it? Have you found any things that work to get you going again? I
2: honestly have to say I haven't experienced that kind of thing. Um, it's when I'm not writing, I'm doing it purposely. I've got other stuff I want to do, um, and then I'll go back to my writing. And it's really making the writing date for myself saying on Tuesday, I am writing. I don't care who asks me to join them for lunch or if you want to go to a garden or whatever, I'm writing on Tuesday, you know, that kind of thing.
1: You do have to definitely set a schedule for yourself of some kind, whatever works for you, whether it's staying right. up all night, which some people do really well. I
2: can't write after four o'clock. Otherwise, oh, really? it keeps me, I mean, just keeps <laughs> sh- They stop talking I to me. I just can't do it. It, it makes me up all night thinking about, even if I stopped at seven, I I would be thinking about it all night.
1: Wow. So
0: what about the days that you set for yourself? Like, let's say you're going to write on Tuesday and you sit down and it's just not clicking. Do you still force yourself to sit for like a
2: four hour time span? Oh, no, no, I wouldn't do that. But um, it's funny. I mean, I understand people say it's not clicking. If I don't know what I want to do, I'll have some idea in my mind and I'll start with dialogue. And I'll just put the dialogue down and then it just starts carrying me into the scene. So then I can go back and make the scene out of it. Dialogue helps me. And some of my greatest dialogue comes to me when I'm swimming. So I can't even use the voice memo at that time.
1: Just bring somebody with you and yell at them. And then know, she I mean, says, was one
2: time I actually jumped out of the pool, grabbed my phone, did it, and then went back in.
1: <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh
2: my goodness. Or I pulled you the phone. keep a recording
0: device on each side of the pool. I don't <laughs> right. know if you do laugh, but then you
2: just swim to one side. You yeah, sure. The that would be great. Then... It's not my private pool.
1: I can't do that. <laughs> oh, see, I was thinking like Florida. Like, <laughs> it's, it's not so my private outside. pool. <laughs> So let's talk a little bit about when your book came out and you um, had feedback in the form of reviews from people. How was that for you?
2: It was really exciting, actually. I loved it. And I love when a, when a reader gets in touch with me personally or the review tells me that it touched her, it reminded her of her grandmother or her mother or you know something like that. I love that. Um, I've been very fortunate, not going to say I haven't had bad reviews, but I've been very, very fortunate about them. And the bad reviews made me laugh, actually. (laughs) I mean, I um, I have a character in my first novel who has diabetes. And part of the whole thing is he's obese. And Carolyn is a fitness professional who is going to work with him. And somebody didn't want to read it because... She didn't think I was fair about obesity, but it was the truth about diabetes. I did a great deal of research on diabetes. My own son has diabetes, so I was able to, you know, use personal stuff. And the second book deals with a divorce, and he was quite abusive emotionally, not physically. And a bad review there said I shut the book as soon as the abuse started. I will never read another thing by Linda Rosen. So. Do you
0: have disclaimers on your books?
2: Um,
0: no, so like um, because I know that's a huge thing. People freak out, like um, trigger because, warnings.
1: For now. yeah, okay. like
0: trigger warnings, where it's just oh, like, you know, hey,
2: like in like, the movies. Like, my gosh, I mean, some of that's crazy. Well,
1: I yeah, think because some, yeah, of of some is crazy. people can't yeah yeah they just mentally but again that book wasn't for them so that's not a bad review that's okay. that's... no
2: no it wasn't for them that's it that's what I mean right. I have I've been very fortunate the bad reviews have been from readers so the book wasn't for them it wasn't like about the book or the writing
0: yeah right those no, are I... always the worst because yeah. there's no reason they didn't like it there's no, it's just like, it was a good book. It was great writing, but you know, it's, it was it's not my genre. It, it
2: hit them like, too hard. I mean that Sisters of the Vine has smoking in it. My next book has smoking in it because it's perfect for the time. Right. Um, and interestingly, nobody has said a word about that. They didn't like smoking and they oh, couldn't smoking, read it because so- smoking like well, it's a, just
0: it seems like a, a natural part of life at this Yeah, point. but if you
2: go watch a movie now and they have those disclaimers
1: that you call, the, you know, yeah, they'll
2: have smoking on there now, which is That's like,
1: very come on. true. Come on. Right? <laughs> well, no, I mean I think that's just a bit extreme, but it's it's Covering interesting their because I could, you know, I I think, and we as a publishing company, um, my publishing company, we do put trigger warnings when it comes to like rape or something like very extreme, like something to go, hey, if you're reading this, this happens, right? Because that, I think one needs to be kind of prepared for that. If it's not necessarily, I hate to say it this way, a key plot thing that would be in the blurb, but it's going to come up like. It's kind of like that website that they have for when dogs die in books. I'm sure there are other things, but there's literally a website uh, dedicated to books, and it has a list of books where dogs die and ones where dogs don't die. So if you're triggered by a a dog dying in a book, because apparently that's way worse than a child or a human dying in a book, by the way. I'm not kidding. There is literally, and I can't think of the name of it. I don't know if you want to Google it, Chelsea, but there is a literally a website dedicated to indicating when a dog dies in a book.
2: Oh my gosh.
1: So you can avoid reading that book. Okay. Yeah. Which is so bizarre to me, but it's true. And I've talked to a lot of journalists too, that actually talk about the fact that people get really upset with news articles about a dog dying versus children a dying. Child
0: yeah it's literally just called does the dog die and it has movies and it has tv shows and it has um like books and they have stretched it so that you can find out if it includes trigger things such as demonic possession bugs male crying ridicule and shower scenes shower scenes
2: psycho Well, a if those game. are triggers I mean, for you. Psycho
1: is a much better shower scene than anything. <laughs> yep.
2: <laughs> oh, my but goodness. You can go that's
1: and crazy. add
0: things and you can you can mention if they're triggers. Some of these triggers are kind of weird. It's that's
1: like,
0: okay. I don't think they're triggers. I think they're, uh, that's fine. Just well, check out the website and just look at their trigger list. That's that's all I'm okay. to. We'll One that, of my so.
2: favorite books, I think the dog died in it. It was The Art of Racing in the Rain. I love that book.
1: You know what my favorite movie slash books when I was a kid was called Where the Red Fern Grows. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Two dogs die in that You know,
0: I used to fall asleep in Old Yeller, right? So when I was a kid, I never read the book. I, when I was super young, but our babysitter used to enjoy watching Old Yeller. So for years, I would watch it and I always fell asleep before the end of the movie. So, I thought it was like a happy movie. <laughs> so listen, we, I, we had to read the book, and I think I was like eight or nine, and I came out and I was devastated. I thought my childhood was a lie. Like, I was just, it destroyed my world for like a
1: whole month. I can, I can understand that. I can understand yeah. that. It's, okay. We are so sidetracked on the dogs <laughs> dying in books. Oh, my goodness. Let's talk about. You are part of the Author Talk Network. So I you am. have an epic tribe, but let's talk a little bit about that.
2: We are 19 authors, um, the brainchild of Grace Salmon, who came together to, as you said earlier, uh, it's to help other authors, but it's really that we have panels that we've come together on um, that we would offer. Uh, If any, if a podcast wanted to have us, if a conference wanted to have us, um, you know, any, any kind of group wants to, a writing group, even, you know, anything. So, and some of the authors are um, bestsellers. I believe New York Times bestsellers. We have USA Today bestsellers. Some of them are just wonderful writers, Um, all different genres and different experiences, uh, but we've come together. Um, In fact, I'm submitting, hopefully, that we will get a certain conference um, to do a panel at this writer's conference on combining the writing world and the reading world and ways of bringing them together and how we found our ways of you know, finding our readers. And one is like doing podcasts. The other is all the Facebook groups, uh, like one I'm active in in Bookish Road Trip. The other is um, organizations, the Women's National Book Association, uh, mystery writers, women fiction writers, all different ways of networking where you find your readers. So that's just one of the kind of panels. Another one has to do with going down the rabbit hole. Another panel had to do with mysteries, um, all, all different kinds, marketing, um, and it's great because, as I said earlier, it's like I've made all these new friends. I'm meeting people I never would have met before. Zoom has a great deal to do with it because COVID brought us to Zoom yeah. and we found each other. And as horrible as COVID has been, it's got silver linings in it, too, if, if you are willing to take advantage. and. I've been very blessed from Zoom.
1: (laughs) No, I think it's true. And it also, I think, opened up the world a bit. Like people don't realize it opened up the world and it broke down a lot of barriers of things that could never be done the way they were. And yes, of course, they could be done the way, you know, that's.
0: Yeah.
1: (laughs) Look, we proved it. I think that's awesome. Okay. We have to wrap up this podcast can you oh, believe this was it fun. <laughs> time is flying man okay Linda you gotta do shameless self promotion tell people oh, about here. your books and where to find you and stuff like that on the socials
2: okay well my books as I said of the disharmony of silence and sisters of the vine you can find me at linda-rosen.com all my stuff is on there all the podcasts I do all the interviews I've had um everything, you can sign up for my infrequent newsletter called Linda's Tea Room. I promise not to invade your inbox. Um, I'm on Facebook at Linda Rosen Author, or actually under Linda Lebowitz Rosen, which is my maiden name, because I joined Facebook before I was even writing. Uh,
1: that is awesome. <laughs>
2: and Instagram is Linda Rosen author. Twitter, I don't use much, but it's L Rosen author. And please, I would love you to follow me on BookBub.
1: Ooh, yes, BookBub. Yes, <laughs> awesome. Very cool. Linda, it has been amazing having you on this podcast. Thank you so much for being here. This was some joy. I'm glad we clicked again, Erica. Thank you, and thank you. <laughs> CR, (laughs) absolutely okay guys this has been drinking with authors i have been your host erica lamps our sponsor today has been skunk brother spirits coupon code dwa10 and cr can stop wipe that smirk off her face because i got it completely right and i didn't mess it up this time my amazing co-host has been cr rice and our guest has been the absolutely brilliant linda rosen and we will see you guys next time